0: One of the more fascinating parts of being in an international marriage is the language that we get to navigate in our home. Now this is easier for the Daniels than it is for many international marriages because both Beth's primary language and my primary language are English, but the English that she grew up speaking in a South Wales coal mining town and the English I grew up speaking in Atlanta, Georgia are not always the same. Now sometimes those differences are very easy To navigate, For instance, I'll say the hood of the car, and she'll say the bonnet of the car. But we know what that means. Sometimes the differences get a little bit more confusing. For example, uh, we were on a walk the other day, and it's hot. And I suggested that we get off of the pavement and onto the sidewalk. But the way that she refers to a sidewalk where she grew up is the pavement. So when I said, let's get off the pavement onto the sidewalk, to her that was completely redundant. Because we weren't on the pavement, we needed to get onto the pavement. But with a little bit of time, we figure it out. What we've both noticed is that in both of our cultures where we grew up, there are also sayings in English that we frequently use that grammatically make absolutely no sense. For example, if I ask Beth if she wants to sit down and watch a film, her response likely could be, let's do it now after. Let's do it now, after. I remember the first time I was hearing that going, well, which one do we want to do? Do we want to do it now or do we want to do it after? And I don't know after what, but just after something, but you can't put the two of those together. What that means for her in her context where she grew up, and it's a frequently used phrase, is not now, but let's just do it in a little while. Let's do it now, after. Grammatically, makes no sense, but to her, makes perfect sense, but that's not throwing the Welsh under the bus. We do the exact same thing in our context in our families. For example, I grew up in the southeast, and one of the constant phrases that we hear is used to could. She would ask me a question like, do you play the piano? I don't anymore, but I used to could. She would look at me going, you can't say that. That doesn't make any sense. I'm like, yeah, but you know what I mean. She'll point this out over and over again, when Americans in a debate or in a conversation or in an argument can throw down the ultimate phrase, I could care less. She's like, that doesn't mean what you think it means. That means you could care less. What you're trying to say is you couldn't care less. You say you could care less, what that means is I actually care quite a bit because I could care less, but I don't, I care. Every time we hear this, I recognize more and more that we often use the phrase, I could care less. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't roll off the tongue the same way, I could care less. It's all one-syllable words. When you have to add the couldn't, it just interrupts it a little bit. It doesn't have the same feel, and she's like, yes, but it doesn't mean what you're trying to say. I want you to keep this concept in mind. As we today enter into a new teaching series at Covenant entitled Three Things, Each Sunday, this week and the next two weeks, we will be looking at a biblical word or phrase or concept or practice that I believe you and I are going to need to practice in our lives in 2020 specifically if we're gonna flourish. These are words or phrases or actions uh, that the Bible talks about that we in many American churches just have not talked about many times through the years. But with all that 2020 is bringing to us and all that it will bring with a very contentious election, with the important conversations going on about the social fabric of our culture and our nation, uh, this pandemic and all that is still uh, impacting our lives in so many ways, I believe that these biblical concepts are essential for all of us to know and all of us to be able to practice and to start exercising these muscles if we are going to flourish in the ways that God intends in the weeks and months to come. Now, I need to tell you that the first of the words that we're going to talk about today is not as rare as the next two. In fact, you hear it, you might give a collective eye roll, but the first thing of these three things that I believe we need to embrace and and, and redefine and reimagine is the concept and the word church. Church. And you might be saying, this is one of the most frequent words that we use, especially here at Covenant. Why is this something that we need to spend some time reworking our muscles on to understand? Well, let me give you an example. The reason is, just like used to could, just like um, let's do it now after, almost every single time you and I use the word church, it grammatically makes no sense. On your screen are some examples as to what I'm talking about, frequent ways that we use the word church. For example, we might ask someone the question, where do you go to church? This is something that that we probably have said multiple times to people as we've met them or got to know them. Or we live around the corner from the church. Someone said that to me recently, and I knew exactly what they meant. I know where Covenant is, and uh, they live right around the corner within walking distance. Or third, and this one goes through me particularly, but I have heard it over and over again. Our church is closed due to COVID-19. These are just examples, everyday examples, that we use the word church, and we understand what we mean by the word church. But something that has subtly happened is that since the book of Acts took place and the scripture passage in Antioch that Jill read just now, church has shifted in what it means. To every time we use it, it means the location, I live around the corner from the church. It means a building, where do you go to church? Our church is closed due to COVID-19. This is such an important change that we need to take some time to look at it. Now, what's the change that's taken place in the word church? In the scripture passage Jill read from Acts chapter 11, this is one of the first times the word church is used in the New Testament and indeed in human history. And we're not going to read the whole thing again, but I want to look at the last verse where this word appears to understand what it is that's going on. It says, so it was for an entire year They met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. They met with the church for a year. They didn't meet at the church for a year. That preposition is really important. They met with the church for a year. The word church actually here in the Greek comes from the Greek word ekklesia. That's the word we translate as church. The word ekklesia, if we literally translated it, means the called out ones. The ones who are called, the ones who are called out from society by God. The word ecclesia means something personal. It's about people. It's about community. What we need to see that is subtly changed is that that if the Apostle Paul or if Barnabas was here with us right now and said, I live around the corner from the church, they would look at us much like how I looked at Beth when she said, let's do it now after. Or much like she looked at me when I said used to could. It's a grammatical thing that we understand that the people who first understood what church was would not know what we're talking about. It's not possible to live around the corner from the church because the church is the people. Biblically, we don't go to church. We can't go to church. It's not possible. Biblically, we don't go to church. We are the church. Biblically, we don't go to church. We are the church. And you might be sitting there going, fine, I get it. We say it grammatically wrong, but it's kind of like used to could. Even though you're not supposed to say it, we all kind of know what it means. It feels like we could be overblowing this point when we talk about if we're going to flourish in 2020 with everything going on, with the economic hardships, with all the stress, with all the pressure, with all the things we're trying to figure out with school. How is this something that we need to embrace and understand if we're going to flourish? Why is this word, this redefinition so important? don't go to church. We are the church. The reason, friends, it's so important is that as we've made this subtle shift culturally to church being about a building, a location, a set of programs, we go to church for youth group. We go to church for Bible study. The reason it's so important is because these are the things that become how we talk about and orient our life and our culture. I go to work during the week. I go to school during the week. I go to soccer practice on Tuesday night. We're going out with friends on Friday, and Sunday we go to church. It becomes part of the busyness, part of the activity that we have. And when a pandemic comes, it can become part of, just like soccer practice, what gets canceled. We don't go to church, we are the church. You see friends, the message of the gospel is not about us as human doers, having more and more and more activity, including on Sundays when we go to church. No, the the message of the gospel is that at our core, our narrative is that we are a relational, connectional people. That's where C.S. Lewis says we find joy, we find purpose, we find depth, we find meaning, that we understand that there is something described in our nature. When the first words, some of the first words that God says to humanity in Genesis is, it's not good for you to be alone. It doesn't matter how many toys you have at the end of your life. It doesn't matter how many who's who lists you've been on. If you are walking alone, which even before a pandemic, we were doing at historic levels in our society right now, in our extreme individualism of it's about me and my life, that we are missing the point of why we're here. We are built for connection connection with God to understand that in an eternal cosmic sense, we are not alone, and connection with one another, relationship with one another. This is what it means to be the church. When we we think of it as a location, it's not that we have another activity in our life canceled. It's the things that we're alive for we start walking away from. We are meant for this connection, all of us, each of us. That's why as we begin this day, I'm hoping we can, we can redefine and reclaim the origins of the word church. We don't go to church, we are the church. This is why the link in the video today is so important for you to begin exploring. Some of you are in small groups and mentoring relationships. You know the names of the people that you are the church with. But We got to be a part of a community rather than a crowd. And if we need to explore something new, if we need to try out a new Bible study, if we need to try out a new relationship uh, of small groups, if we need to try to figure out what that looks like for the first time in our lives, if we want to figure out how our students don't just sit in front of their screens all day, hour after hour after hour after hour, but how it is we walk together and they walk together, how it is they are the church together, then this link provides the on-ramps for all of it. We're going to have it up for a few weeks so that every single one of you, even if you're not in Austin, technology can allow us to be the church together. The forms are going to look different. They have to look different in this time. But church isn't canceled. We are the church. And our life together marches forward unabated with no less expectation of what God can do as we continue to be connected to him and connected to each other. What is the on-ramp that you and your family can explore and take, not to just have more normalcy in our lives, but to remember why we're here? I want to close with one last Welsh expression that I have learned that I didn't grow up using, but it's become a part of how I think about so many different things. And the phrase that Beth's culture has taught me is belonging to. That's how they refer to family, where she grew up. It's not that you start off by saying, you know, as they would in in where I grew up, who are your people, who are your kin? It's who do you belong to? That John and Wendy McMullen aren't my in-laws. They're not my father-in-law and mother-in-law. I belong to them. They belong to me. I love this phrase, the intimacy and the connection and the meaning and the place that I have and my family has, we belong to each other. And I think in the English language and in our terminology, even though they're not talking about church, this idea of belonging to is much closer to the biblical concept of the word ecclesia, church, than most of the ways we use it. Don't go to church, we are the church. Another way of thinking that is who do you belong to? Understanding that in these pockets of community, we find the names and the people who are praying with us. We may not be talking about UT football all the time and whether it's going to happen. But these are the people who know the joys, the heartbreak, the sorrow, the questions, the stress. They stand with us in prayer and we get to do the same with them. We study the scriptures together. We grow in our faith. We're reminded of the names of the people that we are the church with. And we remember that as we belong to the people in the church and as we invest in these places, in these communities, that the invitation to belong doesn't come from a church in terms of, a, of an institution or a building or a session or a, or a denomination. But the, the invitation to belong comes from our connection with God who says, you belong to me. And no matter all that is going on in your life, you are loved you are valued, you are included, you are invited, you have worth, you have meaning, you have purpose, you can have joy that comes because I, as God, declare it to be so. That as our confessions say in life and in death, we belong to God and we also understand His church, we belong to each other. This is the journey we are taking in this new season, no less than any other that we've experienced here at Covenant. And we look forward to taking it with you. Hallelujah and amen.